Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you once again for another interview as we get closer and closer to our coverage of 24. We teased about this in our last 24 interview that this is a big one and it is a big one because today we're going to speak to the one, the only, Leslie Hope, aka Terry Bauer from the first season of 24. Um, I'm... We don't do the my name is anymore. We scrapped that last time. Shit, what do we do here? Um, <laughs> I'm excited. My name is Ben. My name is Colin. Moving on. <laughs> oh, great. Done. Um, we, we plan these a lot. But uh, no, this is this is a great chat, actually. The first time we've been able to speak to a main cast member of the show. Obviously, we spoke to Joaquin Delmeida, who, you know, close to being a main cast member. in half the yeah. season as kind of a, a villain. Um, and obviously, Ross McCall, who kind of was sort of a side character from Live Another Day. So great to get Leslie on here. Uh, my favorite of all the Leslies. Uh, just yes. want to point that out there. Sorry, Leslie man, you are great. But, uh, you know, Leslie Nielsen, rest in peace. But um, this is a great chat, Colin. This is a, a very fun, informative chat on uh, Leslie's time on 24. Yeah, and, you know, we're probably halfway through the uh, the recaps of the season. You know, the time we recorded this, we recorded half of the uh, season one. So being able to talk to somebody about the episodes we've already watched and having her bring up Oh yeah, there was this one moment where like, oh, we just saw that. You know, it's it's great because it's so fresh in our minds, and and such an important character. I think that's a, one of the things that uh, was best about this: her understanding of what her character's importance was, uh, and also not even necessarily taking all the credit for it. But yeah, I mean, and great to hear about Richard Berge. That's uh, another highlight. Well, that's it. Uh, you know, the account from the ba- valley, Alan York uh, or Kevin, as he may be known. Who knows? I haven't seen it yet. Neither of the episodes been released. But no, lots of fun and also talking about kind of Canada's first family of television in 2001 yeah. between uh, herself, Kiefer and Alicia all forming the Bowers. So uh, there's a sitcom, the Bowers. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll just warn people though, that uh, have, of course you have not seen season one of 24 and maybe you're wanting to watch along with us and go along with the journey. Do not listen to this. Stop listening right now. Listen to this once you have seen the first season of 24, because you will be spoiled on something very significant in the first season of 24. Have you seen it? You know what happens. Go for your life. Listen to it. But just want to warn people that this is a very big spoil. I think I literally mentioned the spoiler in the opening yeah. open here. So <laughs> Without, you, you did not warn people there, so I'm glad you're doing it Because I knew I was doing this, so I knew that I could warn people beforehand. I was, I was going to say, after you said that, I'm like, Ben, how do you know that she's finished watching the season? <laughs> <laughs> well, true. She, maybe she hasn't seen it. So there you go. Yeah. But uh, without further ado, here is our chat with the one, the only, Miss Leslie Hope. 
It is a massive pleasure to be able to welcome our next guest here to the Oz Network. You might recognize her from such shows as Suits, Commander-in-Chief, and as a director of numerous great projects recently as she's almost switched behind the camera as opposed to being a little bit more in front of the camera. But we know her on this show from a little show called 24 that you may have heard of. You may have heard that we are starting to cover every single episode of this show. And in the very first season of this show, she was part of the main cast. Her role was kind of significant. She was sort of married to somebody called Jack Bauer, who you may have heard of. And her death at the end of that season may or may not have played a significant role into the development of that certain Jack Bauer into the future seasons that come. She played the role of Terry Bauer in 24 episodes of the first season of 24, and it is such a pleasure to be able to welcome the one, the only, Miss Leslie Hope to the Oz Network. Leslie, thank you for joining us today. It's such a pleasure to speak to you. Thank you so much for having me, gents. I'm happy to be here. I got there eventually with that in- introduction. I was trying to make it as long it as quite uh, the intro. My goodness, yeah, yeah. That first season of, of 24. But it's it's 20 years this year since 24, which is is all kinds of crazy. I can't believe it's crazy. been that long. But yeah. does it feel like it's been 20 years since you played Terry Bauer? Only because I'm doing this and you're reminding me. Um, I, <laughs> I thought of it in that way. But yeah, how about that? 20 years. Um, and uh, while we certainly loved, or I did, doing the show that first season, I don't think any of us imagined 20 years later, I'd be talking to you, that's for sure. <laughs> the, the show that keeps on giving, that's, that's what it's been. Now, was the show pitched to you as we're going to be doing you know, a full 24 episodes? Because I know we've heard that uh, it was picked up initially for 12 or 13 episodes. Uh, and then they extended to 24. But was the plan always from the beginning, at least for what you were told as a main cast member, as long as we get renewed, we're going to go for a full 24 hours for the se- first season? Well, it certainly was embedded in the premise that it was an hour by hour show that one would link to the next very directly. Um, but all television at the time anyway, you'd hope to do a full season, but nobody ever knew for sure until they they said so, that you would go past the initial pickup, which at the time would always be a pilot and then 12 episodes. So for us, our pickup came quite late actually. And if you, if you remember from the show at about episode 13, there's almost a finale, like mm-hmm. maybe there's yeah. sort of ending mm-hmm. while well, we were all waiting to see if we were gonna continue going. Um, so I guess the show would have been called 13 in the end and we wouldn't be talking. Um, but so certainly as an actor, you always hope for the, we call it the back nine. Um, but we did not know until I think it was December or something that we were going back to work in January to continue. Do you remember initially reading for the role of, of Terry when you mm-hmm. first saw the script and what you thought of it? Sure. I mean, I, um, at the time, even then I was, I was trying to bust into directing officially. I'd been doing my own stuff, but I'd, I'd had a movie that had fallen apart and, um, as a director and the, uh, I was feeling kind of mad about that whole situation. And almost as a consolation prize, my manager and friend said, you should really audition for this show. I was like, I don't want to audition. I don't want to do anything. I want to make my movie. And I was all stroppy about it. But anyway, so I did go in and read for it. But at the time, um, all the stuff that we've come to sort of uh, know is how 24 is put together with the ticking clock and that kind of incredible um, tension and the split screens. I don't remember that being part of the script, 
what I remember is that was um, sort of overlaid by Stephen Hopkins, the director of the pilot, who directed every other sort of block of shows that we did. So um, I, I remember going in there to read it. I remember thinking, oh, it's pretty nice. I like the people, but this stuff doesn't happen this way. Um, I remember, <laughs> and I remember being told to, um, the, the, the rude version is change out of my fat pants and put on a skirt if I was going to come back. And so wow. I, <laughs> um, there, there was a nicer way they said it, I'm sure. But basically <laughs> it was, um, th those are, those are not what you want to wear when you're testing for the network. Right. Um, so <laughs> okay. anyway, that's, that's what I remember from it. And that was a time when a lot of pilots and a lot of series were happening all the time at that point in my career. Anyway, you always had like a backup pair of clothes or two in the back of your car. And you're usually changing in your car to mm. step into whatever meeting that you were headed into. That's what I remember. Um, and I remember Sarah Clark and I both being sort of culled from the herd of auditioning women and just sort of being told to wait in a different area. And that's either like you're off the island or you get to stay and you, we didn't know. We didn't know. Well, that was your first mistake. You should have avoided it because you kind of did kill you later on. Later. I'm saying, you got yourself to blame. You should have. You should have just said, "No, I don't trust no, this woman. Something's going actually, wrong." Actually, real life, she's really a lovely woman. She's not actually a spy. And traitor, who is oh, spoiler! Destroyed the illusion for us. Damn it! <laughs> now, did you know that your role was going to be Terry going in, or were you and Sarah Clark just auditioning at the same time? Like, you know, we're going to decide which character we're going to give you later. No, no, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I mean, you'd have to ask Sarah. I'm pretty sure that she was always auditioning for the part of Nina and that I was for Terry. Um, I think I think that's that's correct. And so I, I knew that that was what I was up for. I'm pretty sure that Sarah was only up for the other part. But um, the way these things go, they're kind of brutal. I haven't had to do it in a while. But, you know, you sort of all gathered together, the people who are vying for the job. And one by one, you're sort of eliminated. It's kind of yuck. But um yeah, we were both pretty happy to be there. And she was super new. She'd been a photographer. I mean, obviously she was starting to be an actor, but she was newer to the circuit and the game and um, that, that how they played stuff out there. I think she was like, what is this? <laughs> what is this process? But it worked out well for both of us, so it's okay. One thing also that kind of worked out well is the fact that when you get the role and obviously, you know, you're Terry Bauer, you're, you're the wife of Jack, you're the mother of Kim, and, and this sort of little family unit, you ended up being a little Canadian family unit with Alicia and Kiefer hey. as well. Like, did did you guys kind hey. of all of a sudden click and like, hey, like Team Canada, here we are on this big American production, it's Team Canada as the main family <laughs> unit. <laughs> Well, probably like the Aussies, you know, we all know who each other are for the most part, right? Yeah. It's a it's a club. Um, we pass as American, but um, we all are proudly Canadian. So certainly, I knew Kiefer. I knew his mom. I knew um, uh, other people that knew him, and up uh, and you know, he was a movie star, so I, I knew who he was. Um, and uh, in a strange uh, connection, his dad had done one of his very, very early movies with, at the time, it's all complicated and I should tell you over cocktails, my brother-in-law, who was Canadian director named Paul Allman. So I had sort of funny connections to the family, I felt like, um, but I didn't know Alicia. She was new and and uh, you know, she, I think she was 17, 18 in real life when uh, she booked that show. Um, so yeah, we, we were the Canadian contingent, but as well, Mia Kirshner, hmm. um, who was a terrorist. Mandy. Yeah. Mandy, thank you, thank you. Uh, blew up the plane, so Mia, I knew Mia from before, um, and then you know as the show went on, because Joel and Bob had shot Nikita in Toronto, they they continued to bring in a Canadian contingent. Perhaps most importantly was John Cassar, who came in to direct the 
one of the last episodes of the first season who went on to become the overviewing producing director on the show for the its long life that it had going forward. And was Kiefer attached to the show at the point where you came on? Because uh, I know we've uh, we've talked about how Richard Berge, who, of course, you would spend the majority of the first se- uh, half of the season with, that he was yeah. sort of the alternate choice for Jack. So was Kiefer already in line by the time you came in, or did you get to audition with Richard Berge when he potentially could have been Jack? No. Uh, what I what I remember, and it's 20 years ago, as you remind me, um, was that Kiefer was already attached. But the running gag for me was with all the shenanigans that Bergie and I had to go through, be like, I signed up to do a show with Kiefer Sutherland. What am I doing with Bergie all the time? So I used to joke with Bergie about that, like, how did I get stuck with you? Um, he is awesome. And I really enjoyed working with him, of course. Which And you know what we did on that show? I'll just go on to say, you, you know, when on phone calls and you know there's that split screen happening as Kiefer and I are talking to each other throughout the season so one or the other of us would always show up to even though we weren't being photographed in the same location we'd show up to act off camera for the other so while we weren't in the same space what you guys watched we the actors were in the same space working together in those scenes Great. And would, did they ever turn into something a little bit more like, I mean, are there just bloopers of one of you just, you know, going a bit silly on the phone call and just making something there to make the oh, other I'm one sure. laugh? <laughs> I'm sure. Um, yeah. I mean, Kiefer's lovely. And uh, I'm sure we shared a sense of humor. We shared um, uh, a recognition of what can be absurd about all that stuff. And so, yes, throughout, I mean, those are situations where pretty extreme, right? I mean, and, uh, it's one thing to act them and it's another thing to sort of you know make your way through a day with any kind of humor and grace so yeah we had a lot of that stuff going on i read um in the uh, the official guide for the first season there's you i know, knew you were gonna ask this <laughs> well there, there's two parts of this question there's two parts of this question um the, the there's a couple of interviews with you in the book and you mentioned first of all about how you know you were a little bit unsure about the role of terry and the fact is she's just going to be at home all day pining for for jack or all that and then obviously you ultimately go out and get involved in the action which you you appreciated i mean was that something that as the scripts kept coming that you were kind of developing this character a little bit more and you were going wow okay i'm i'm, I'm out in the action now i'm hanging out with richard Berge. I'm, I'm i'm losing my mind literally i'm forgetting about what was happening there i get to shoot someone like i mean it was kind of each script must have brought something new to it when you are reading the role well i think you know there was certainly at the time anyway the trope of the sort of patient forbearing wife who waits at home while the hero goes off and does the cool stuff so i think that was the assumption going in is that sort of the gig right Mm -hmm. you're gonna stay at home on the phone and go where are you (laughs) no okay i'll dinner will be ready when you get home um but it's a little bit of careful what you wish for because that character I mean, I was at the end of the first season when, you know, what happens is what happens is the character is killed. You're like, well, what else could I do anyway? Mm. What else could happen to this woman anyway? Um, so I think, you know, more than the character, the show itself was such that it was really exciting to read what they come up with every week and to see all of us sort of pulled along in this crazy, intense, um, wonderful narrative that all of us got touched by, you know? Um, so I think 
all of us were surprised with all the twists and turns that that each of our characters got to play out over the course of that first year anyway the, the other parts of that question sorry colin i, I keep jumping in on you there <laughs> go, go, but, go for uh, it the um i was gonna ask the same question i think you're about to ask <laughs> well the, the, there was you mentioned before about how sort of around episode you know 12 13 there's kind of like the somewhat finale and the scene of course is is you Kiefer, and alicia flying off in, in the helicopter and you are whispering into Kiefer's ear and i read in the official yeah. guide that you were deliberately re- saying things to him to try and throw him off. Do you remember what you were whispering to Kiefer in that scene? I just, I want to know. <laughs> Even if I did remember, I wouldn't tell you. There's no <laughs> doubt. <laughs> um, and by that point, um, I, was, I think I sort of know which buttons I could push to maybe get him going. So I don't remember, but yes, I was, that is exactly what I was trying to do. And PS, I'll tell you that, I myself was just so thrilled and excited to be in a helicopter. I was just a little <laughs> off the rails, so uh, kind of full of adrenaline and excited to be there. I thought it was super neat. It was like, wow, going to be an actor. This is not a bad gig to have. Get to do something cool like this. It, this show was so ahead of its time, especially for network television of really shocking the audience. You know, uh, Game of Thrones is now famous. Now we're, we're going to kill off a character and nobody's going to see it coming. 24 was kind of the first network, American network show that did that. And you were the victim of that or the one who's, I guess, privileged to forever be associated with that, depending on how you take it. Uh, at what point during the season did you find out that you were going to be killed off and that that was going to be the big cliffhanger of the first season? Well, one I would say privileged is is how I feel about it. Like that was super neat, right? And you're right. At the time, it was sort of unheard of that the hero's wife would end up dead. What you'd expect in a show like that is Nina would end up dead, right? There'd be some kind of retribution. Um, so uh, in terms of that part, yeah, yes, privilege. And in terms of finding out about it, it was really when we were about to do it. Um, and even still, there was such, um, at the time, such a consternation about if they could do it. And Kiefer himself was like, I, you know, we've just spent a whole season with this guy who fails. And should he be the guy? He's the hero and he fails. He spent 24 episodes trying to get to this, uh, you know, this situation and he does not succeed. So do we um, dump the audience's uh, interest in him? Do we make him a loser? You know, there's a lot of talk, as you might imagine, with that. Not to mention, it's kind of a brutal killing. I mean, she she shot me in the guts, right? I'm pregnant. Mm, yeah. So she did a two for one, right? Um, so uh, we found out very close to when we were actually shooting it. And even still, as a backup, I'm sure you've probably heard, we shot it three ways. So in case it just did not work. And I only, so I think we had, I sort of am, resuscitated and everything's okay oops just kidding it was a paper cut or whatever it was and we had um the well i think we had alicia coming into the scene happy family reunion off to the ambulance sort of thing and then we had the ending we saw so but i didn't know which one they were picking um what it was going to be until it aired yeah wow yeah yeah it was at that point it was kind of super top secret. It was something that was, because it was unusual, they didn't want it to be spoiled in any way. It's not like now where news could get out so quickly on the internet and everybody knows everything ahead of time. But the internet interest in the show and how people were watching shows was 
just really it seems crazy now, but just really starting to be a component for it, like the conspiracy theorists online, people who are weighing in on what they thought the clues were, people who had really strong opinions about what was happening. Like this was starting to infiltrate um, viewership, which was kind of new at the time. Yeah. Um, so uh, we had to keep it a secret. And we had to keep it a secret, if you can imagine, that news didn't travel this fast. It was airing very successfully in, in the UK, but with a lag time. So we had to go do press at the end of the first season. We were all in, I think, if you could, I'm going to say, oh, we were all in Monaco. We were at the TV festival in, in Monaco, and we had to be um, circumspect about what the end of the season was. So we all knew it. But if you can imagine, it hadn't even traveled all the way across, you know, for everybody else to know it too. Now that wouldn't happen. Yeah. But at the time we had to sort of just, or I had to keep my mouth shut for a while about the end of the show. So they'd be like, aren't you so excited coming back for season two? And I would say things like, isn't it great? It's a fantastic <laughs> show. Really good. It's so exciting to see what's going to happen next. Like just trying to not lie, but also not give it away. Um, so well, that, that was in Australia. Happen. We didn't get it, I think. It wasn't, I mean, now in Australia, they basically air it at the same time. But back then, we were, I think, maybe six months behind because our TV. I think it's in the UK, yeah. Yeah, it kind of fell yeah. differently. But, I mean, that must be interesting then because also at the same time, wanting to know how this plays out, you know, do I live, do I die? It's kind of also your job on the line too, Leslie. You're kind of like, well, am I coming back for <laughs> season two or am I not coming back for season I'm about to find, oh, I'm not coming back, <laughs> damn. <laughs> Yeah, um, but it was not, it's not at the time, again, not unusual for an actor to be in this weird holding pattern at the end of any season, whether something like that had happened or not, of a situation where they pick you up or not, your contract is renewed or not. So um, in that case, um, I was pretty definitive once it aired what it would be. So unless there was some version of uh, like real flashback or going back in time or something and running a season from the year before, whatever. But I was pretty sure it was it was done. And I remember talking to Stephen Hopkins about it because I'd love that show, that job so much. And I really love the cast and crew. And um, he said something to me about, he said some version of like, I, you know, I, I promise you, this is not gonna be a bad thing <laughs> for you. Like it, it's, uh, it's, it's gonna be good. And he was right in a way. I mean, again, here we are talking 20 years later yeah. about it. Um, so, that's uh, that's an obviously the show has so much more than the death of this one character, but I think what it did is it just set a tone. As you talk about, like anything can happen in this world, Do, you know, uh, you will not you will not guess the answer of what's going to come down the pike next week. Which and I, that was an important element of the show. You add about that privilege factor about kind of what Colin was saying about being this moment, uh, you know, that was groundbreaking for television at the time. But so many layers to Terry's death. Uh, I mean, uh, there was a, a many many top ten videos on YouTube where they talk about iconic moments in TV. You, you know, memorable moments. That's often on there. I remember years ago I was on a fan website that ranked the moments best moments of twenty four. Terry's death always comes out at number one, and even just the setup for Jack's character. I mean, without the death of Terry. What is Jack going to be like without that? If you're still there at home, going, "Honey, where are you in season two? It, it's it's different. So it's it's weird that 
you know, for you as, as, you know, you're not part of the show anymore. There's no real way to bring you back, as you said, unless you kind of do flashbacks or that. But your character, your role had such an impact on this show without that, that it's not going to be the same show. So you, you're there on so many layers of what made 24 moving on forward uh, from that point on. Well, I would say that's Kiefer, right? That's Kiefer and the writing. I mean, thanks, but it's, um, it's really about what he, what he is the actor and what the writers brought to what that did to that character and what Kiefer brought to that, the execution of that stuff. I mean, that's what makes it significant. And that's what makes what, what he did in performance. And I, you know, he's my pal and I thought he was great and all that, but I, I was just thought he was extraordinary in that last sequence. And, you know, I'm all I got to do is lay there dead. And I myself was having a hard time not to cry for Kiefer because he was so terrific in that scene. I mean, I've got my eyes closed and stuff, but I can feel it and I can hear it. And I just thought he was, extra he is extraordinary, but um, he's, he's what makes that something that carries through years on. Um, not, not the fact that I laid there with my eyes closed. <laughs> As somebody who works behind the camera now, you know, you, you basically are Stephen Hopkins. Uh, just give us, Quick off the top of your head, where could they have gone with Terry if they'd gone with the alternate ending where she lives? I mean, we, we sort of saw in season two, they almost struggled a little bit with what to do with Kim without just mm -hmm. or repeating the same things we did last time and then sort of brought it back around for season three. Uh, I don't know if anybody discussed with you, this is potentially what we could do with Terry. Does she become a spy? You know, what, what, what do you think the best idea would have been for Terry if she had lived? That's interesting you say that. I just want to just have you repeat your Stephen Hopkins because that's you're, well. You know, it's funny you are now because Stephen Hopkins did the Lost in Space movie, and you've worked on Lost in Space, which is one of my favorite shows. So I'm calling our Stephen Hopkins. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, it's it's sort of hard to sort of reverse engineer and think what would have happened. I think at the time, you know, as you mentioned earlier, the concern of not just being the wife. Um, something, but what I was also interested in at the time was we were an unhappily married couple. Mm. Um, and I, that was also a little unusual um, at the time that, you know, it was a sort of patient forbearing wife and not the one who's pissed off or knows he's had an affair or, and is still kind of in a, uh, in a primary position. So I, I thought that was, interesting to me like grown up and um, a sort of more cold eyed look at what can happen in relationships. And then of course these extreme circumstances pull things around between the two of them. But I liked that, that it was not, um, that it was kind of unflinching in the beginning about that they were not getting along, that things were not going well. Um, the teenage daughter is a pain in the ass. Um, <laughs> she was on a road that was not going to, I mean, she was going out drinking with her friends. Like that's not going to say that she was going to turn into a psychopath, but things were not sweet at home. And I thought that stuff was interesting to look at and act. Um, and the notion of her becoming some kind of superhero with uh, Jack. I mean, I don't think it was in her wheelhouse. I think uh, I mean, anything could happen, but um that's a long way of saying, I'm not really sure what, what could have, it seemed perfect what the ending was. I don't know what it, what else it could have been now. Um, at the time, I think, well, what else could have happened to her? Cause that's what was, things were happening to her. Yeah. She was not driving. She was in the passenger seat in many ways, but they were, but, but in a car crash every week, ostensibly, right? Like, <laughs> um, so uh, I don't know. What do you think? 
I mean, I'm just I, I as long as it's not a cougar, like the the season yeah, two, you know, yes. like as long as she's not being chased by. A cougar. Well, yeah, I heard about that, right? I, I was going to say I completely agree with you because what makes this show work is that, especially for Terry, she's not a character that overstayed her welcome, and they did struggle with Kim in the second season. Came back a little bit in the third season, but you know, there are so many characters, especially when you're a character on the outside and you're not part of CTU, you don't really serve a purpose unless you do have a big dramatic moment. And I also don't even necessarily think that the show could have gone for another season without that becoming stale and dry if you hadn't had Jack have this moment where he had to get over something. Right, right. Monday morning quarterbacking of the whole thing. I think, I mean, uh, all of these issues I'm sure were raised with people above my pay grade as they were trying to determine which character did what. And like any show, you know, you're finding what it is somewhat. I mean, you can have whatever outline you want or say it's going to be whatever it wants, but you never know what the alchemy of how a show works. If everybody knew how to do that, we'd all be jillionaires and everybody would have a wildly successful show, right? You just, you just try. Well, let's put these people together, see what happens. Oh, look, who knew that so-and-so was so good at this or a disaster at such and such, you know, you just, that's part of how a TV series anyway, kind of morphs from week to week and certainly script to script. And then in that show year to year, um, it's now, it's, it's easy for us now to look back on that first season. And, but who knows, you know, who knows how it goes on. Did you have a, a favorite sort of episode or any of the storylines throughout the day that you most liked in, in, outside of flying in a helicopter, of course? That was super cool. Um, well, yeah, I really thought, um, I was really um, so moved by what Kiefer did in the death scene at the end. Um, I really loved the scene. Uh, Kathleen Wilhoyt, I think, was the actor. And I'm trying to remember the actual, but she was a waitress or something. And the Kiefer, waitress. <laughs> yeah, she, she he falls asleep and behind him is, he's like in some shitty convertible trailer or something. Yeah. Behind him is a poster of, Hawaii or like some weird sunset. And he's just, you know, that we're playing the thing that like he's been up for so long. And he, I, I love that moment of Kiefer's. And I really, um, I really loved working on, on the pilot. That just first scene where things are not going well between us. I mean, I like lots of things. I had a, that's one of the shows I still to this day say is the best time going to work. Very proud to have been associated with it professionally, but personally, I just, I just like going to work on that one in particular. You know, uh, now that you're working behind the camera and you're directing, I mean, Snowpiercer, I mean, that's a huge show to be part of. I think your episode just aired recently or yeah. one of the ones you did. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm sort of waiting to binge watch that. I'm like, this isn't something that I want to wait week by week for. But uh, another one, Lost in Space that I mentioned, favorite mm-hmm. show of mine, and uh, that hasn't aired yet. Can you give me, at least, even if it's just me, can you give me a little bit of a tease of what's coming? Because I think that's supposed to be the last season as well. That's correct. That's not a secret. I can tell you that. So um, I, I, must, I had directed one episode in season two um, and came back and just did a couple for season three. Um, I can tell you that that show knows that they were um, moving to an ending. It wasn't like somebody, they were suddenly had the, the rug yanked out from under them and had to scramble and come to the end. So it was pretty well um, managed. Um, I don't think I give anything away to say that um, there's more robots. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, that um, the family has, you know, they've, they've played into the growing dynamics in the family as the kids get older. 
And a show like 24, I mean, a show like uh, Lost in Space has so much time that's allotted for vis effects after we shoot, takes so much time to get everything developed. Well, if you're a, I think he was 12 year old boy, um, yeah. it, Will plays, uh, Max who plays Will in the first season, and now he's taller than me. <laughs> So you have to like acknowledge the sh- changing things that happens with, you know, a boy who's becoming a teenager, um, the development of those uh, the young women, the two sisters, uh, Judy and Penny, what happens to them as they get older. Um, not love relationships, that's not the right way to say, but, you know, the awareness of um, boys for mm-hmm. Penny, all that stuff is starts to play in, but they, they maintain what I love so much about the show. They maintain their bond as a family. Um, and I think that's why it's one of the th- reasons it's so lovely. And yeah, the vis effects are super cool on that. So that's, that's what I can tell you about Lost in Space and then Snowpiercer. Yeah, you're right. Binge watched. Um, <clears throat> I did uh episodes five and six of last season. I'm going back after Star Trek to direct a few more for them. That's just a gas, that show. It's so much fun to shoot. The cast is extraordinary. I mean, Jennifer Connelly, I just worship at her altar. Um, I just think <laughs> she's just amazing. But the entire cast, there's I could say everybody's name, but I would just give a shout out to Allison Wright, who I think is amazing. Oh, I'm a huge fan of the Americans. So yeah, she's oh the reason God. to watch that. She is so great. Um, but they have such a wonderful, interesting, eclectic cast. And as a director, certainly it's it's really great challenges shooting on, the sets are amazing, but to be shooting in these, you know, in a train car, um, mm-hmm. just what that, what that involves. Also a really great team on the ground. And um, they just started shooting season three. So they're right, um, Christoph, who came in to be the producer director last year, started up season three. And like I said, I'll, I'll head out there uh, beginning of April to go back to work there. I, I need to do a slight little tie into one of our sister shows, Leslie. We uh, we do a James Bond show and I'm a big fan of the James Bond movie Die Another Day. So you obviously work with Toby Stevens, who of course was Gustav yes. Ray. Yeah. So yeah. I just I need to connect to rub it into Colin because he hates <laughs> Die Another Day. So I needed to bring that but up. But I love Toby Stevens because he's John Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he's great. He's great. You know, that's something about the stuff that it's sort of hard to really get unless you're in it but when you have a cast like that that's sort of you know linked together as a family in terms of their characters but in real life and everybody says this and it's never true but i'm telling you it's true with these guys they have that kind of dynamic i mean those those actors who play the kids are that young and molly is that smart and amazing and toby is that great and fun and so the they're for real. I mean, the biggest problem I'm working on Lost in Space is they're having such a good time. You got to go like, guys, we have to roll. Man. Stop. <laughs> okay. And then, of course, Ignacio, who plays Don West, who's just so great with his chicken, with Debbie the chicken. Um, he's wonderful, too. So it's a really great cast. And that that makes a huge difference when you're, you know, who you're going to go to work with every day. And, and don't leave out the robot. Is a robot that handsome in real life? I don't know if you, you've heard of the <laughs> women who are obsessed with the robot. Like the robot is the sex symbol of Lost in Space. That's creepy. <laughs> yeah, this is when the show first came out, it was this huge thing all over the internet. Women were going nuts over the sexy robot. <laughs> what? Yeah, That's it's a real, real thing. I don't know what to say about that. I mean, <laughs> 
he's uh, the the performer who's inside that <laughs> shell is awesome but they've never seen him they're talking about the blue robot right That's yeah the, the, the look of the robot they're like if if ever there was a robot that would be on my list it's this robot tons of women this is the strangest thing that i ever saw on the internet but but you know That's what i mean it's good physique i guess <laughs> i guess um maybe because he's a good listener I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> has that appeal? Wow. Jeez, we're learning a lot. Leslie, it really has been a, an absolute pleasure having you on here to to chat about this. As I said, 20 years, which is which is amazing. And we're looking at later this year, potentially trying to organize some form of reunion. Not sure if that's even on the cards. Uh, Fox might do something. Who knows? But uh, yeah, you're more than welcome to to show up and we can uh, get as whoever we can together and uh, relive some uh, great moments and try and get out of you. What exactly you said to Kiva Sutherland on that helicopter? <laughs> Thank you so much. Before I leave you, I'm going to be shameless and I'd just like to make a plug for something. Please if I may. do plug oh, everything absolutely. you can. Yeah. Uh, so um, I certainly have, uh, you know, retired from acting and mostly directing, but I'm also producing and I produced a small film called Lie Exposed that's available on Apple iTunes, Canada and down south and Crave and uh, Amazon, blah, blah, blah. And we're a tiny movie. We were shot in, uh, in uh, here in Canada and L.A. with Bruce Greenwood, David Hewlett, Kristen Lehman, Megan Pollock, <gasps> Bruce Kung, Benjamin Ayers, Daniel Maslani, Tony Napo, Paolo Rivera, directed by Jerry Ciccariti. And we could use some eyes. So this is my plug to say, wow, watch our little movie. Well, we, you we know can what? plug whatever you like with that because Colin just blew an O-ring with a mention of Dave Hewlett there, I think. Yeah. <laughs> he's, so great. he's so great in the movie. Where do you see? He's so funny and so great in the movie. Um, it, and it's a, it's a wonderful small movie that we're all very proud of. And uh, anything we can do to shine a light to say, have a look, then I'm taking the opportunity to do so. So Please thank you do. for letting Absolutely. Welcome to it. Tell you what, you, you, you can plug it. You can do it. We can get whoever you want on the show. We can plug it some more. We'll do a recap of it. We, we're, we are open-ended, Leslie, to do all you're not, you you're not just 24 freaks? No, we, oh, we, no. Are, we are everything. We, we Actually, it's funny you mentioned Dave Hewlett because we just actually covered Treed Murray and uh, we spoke like to Kevin 20 DeHaney. years for him. Yeah, and yeah. we spoke to Kevin DeHaney who was on the film as well. So, uh, no, we're, we're completely TV and movie oriented. 24 is just one of the ones that we're covering at the moment. So, plenty we Thank can... Yeah. Thank Stay you. in touch. We'll do it. Leslie, pleasure. Thank you so much. And uh, we really appreciate your much. time. I appreciate yours too. Thank you. Great, great chat there with Leslie. And uh, what's so funny, Colin? What are you laughing I- at? The woman just talked <laughs> about say- dying in this show when- and you're laughing at her. The question that we both were dying to ask, which we will get to when you hear our recaps, what is it on episode 13 or whatever? Uh, I'm so glad that she did not have an answer for that because we would look pretty stupid in 13 weeks time if that was the case. Yeah, it kind of does, you know, create this mystery of, you know, let, let's come up with our own thing of what did Leslie Hope say to Kiva Sutherland? When we, yeah, when we have the interview with the helicopter pilot, maybe he'll know. Yeah. Or the helicopter. Uh, maybe or the helicopter the hel- when the helicopter yeah, the hel- comes the on. The helicopter itself. So, but big thanks to Leslie. Big thanks to her management team for for allowing that to happen. And yeah, very very exciting to chat to her when uh, sort of that was agreed upon. Uh, message Colin straight away, and it was like Leslie Hope said yes, and it was like yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, very very pumped up and a, and a great interview. But our twenty four coverage, as we keep saying, is coming very very soon. We've got a few more interviews in the pipeline to uh, lead up into that. So kind of something a bit different. We haven't really done 
done this before where we've had the actors and cast on before we've done the coverage. Usually we kind of put it, you know, throughout the coverage like we've done with Third Watch, Nip, Tuck and Lost. So a little bit different this time around, but it's to whet your appetite, get you excited and get ready into that ticking clock, basically, which Colin is going to impersonate right now. Sorry, you know you're running out of time. I'm looking here at the uh, production notes. <laughs> Stretch for time when Ben runs out of things to say. Okay. Uh, outside of that, plenty of other things to keep you entertained here on the Oz Network. And we thank you for joining us on the show. And I don't know if we've launched our Patreon yet, but if we have, you'll hear about it before and after. If not, it's coming soon. We've said that a lot of the times. I don't know how to end this. I'm going to say thank you for listening. My name is Ben and good night. And Colin can say something better. Uh, my name is Colin. That's better than Ben. <laughs> Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media Media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff yes, yes sir do you like having access to your favorite podcast hosts in a way like never before yeah absolutely do you wish you had access to our old survivor oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online oh yeah if you answered yes to one two or all of those questions then get excited because the oz network is now on patreon <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. (laughs)